Hi, I'm Caitlin Phillips, the marketing coordinator for indie bookstores at Oxford University Press, and I'll be hosting this mini episode of the Oxford Comment. On the last episode of the Oxford Comment, we talked about the rise of narrative nonfiction. For this mini-sode, we've invited Adam Sonderberg of the Seminary Co-op to gain an understanding of how his bookstore has engaged with the rise of narrative nonfiction. So let's hear more from Adam. I am a manager of the Seminary Co-op Bookstore. We're a cooperatively owned bookstore in Chicago's South Side, uh, and we've been around since 1961. Uh, we are on the campus of the University of Chicago, uh, but we not only support the university community, but the greater South Side and readers the world over. I've been a bookseller for almost 20 years now, and I've uh, been in this position for almost four, and uh, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Um, obviously, you guys have a huge collection and are bringing in things both for classes and for you know general audiences. Um, can you talk a little bit about having sort of personal ethics and if that has changed over the last few years of what you stock in the store, um, specifically, obviously, when it comes to nonfiction and sort of truth versus fake news? So I'm the manager of the seminary co-op, and then our sister store, 57th Street Books, which is more of a general interest bookstore, a neighborhood bookstore, which is uh, about 250 yards from our front door, is another component of the bookstore mosaic or whatever uh, you want to call it. Uh, between the two stores, we've got well over 100,000 titles, and the majority of that stuff is obviously backlist, and our buying decisions are probably a little, a little different than most bookstores. I say probably, but it's definitely uh, just in terms of uh, during our daily restocks, we'll see a situation where a book uh, has sold that's been sitting on the shelves for seven years, and we will have an honest-to-goodness conversation about whether or not we should bring that back in as opposed to expressing a sigh of relief that it finally sold. The co-op is is kind of a different animal all the way around, so a lot of my responses to these things are really going to be specific to uh, not only kind of academic bookstore culture, but the co-op more specifically. As far as thinking about personal ethics, uh, we really privilege institutional values over personal ethics. We really don't bring that to bear on uh, during uh, frontless buys and just in general buying and restocking decisions. And we keep that out of the equation as much as possible. Obviously, they're going to be like unconscious forces at work. There could be, you know, something popping up in the news that feels really topical that might cause us to sort of respond personally in a certain way. But we don't really bring that to to the workplace. And it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't uh, reflect uh, for better or worse on the shelves. We really try to be as agnostic as possible. Uh, part of the prompt that you had uh, put here was um, asking about Sean Spicer's book. And now I know that he was kind of a, a topic because of his speech at uh, this last BEA. And you asked whether or not, say, for example, we, we have his book on the shelf. And we don't. And for us, the decision not to carry that had to do more with like demographics, you know, what our readers are looking for versus any kind of personal feeling, ethics, bias or whatever. That being said, if anybody came into either of the stores at any time and asked for a copy of that book, we would be happy to order it. If we received another request, we would order that. And then we would probably just bring it in and stock it because um, we're interested in reflecting the interests and needs of the community. And this is one of the ways by fielding requests for special orders that we learn from them. So um, it's a real symbiotic relationship. While obviously we're, we're curating the experience, we're also totally open to feedback. 
Um, so we were kind of talking um, on the uh, podcast about this phenomenon of sort of pre-publication excitement. Um, we so, we've seen it for fiction, you know, for mm -hmm. decades. And now um, in the last few years with the political landscape as it is, suddenly it feels like some nonfiction is sort of getting that pre-publication excitement buzz. So Adam, do you feel as if your bookstore feels the shift from trade titles, trade fiction titles being popular to now uh, narrative nonfiction titles uh, coming up and becoming popular? For us, there we haven't really noticed a shift because we're, you know, academically oriented. So in terms of these like micro trends and things that we've seen over the last year or two, three years in terms of a shift to, to nonfiction, I mean, it, that we're just sort of largely impervious to it, but obviously not oblivious to the trends. We read a lot of the trade publications and things like that. So as far as seeing something specific like that, we haven't necessarily seen it. It's not necessarily reflected on our shelves because we're just doing what we always do. That being said, a really interesting example uh, for us, which again was part of your prompt, so I'll speak to it, was Fire and Fury. So when this uh, first appeared in the MPS catalog a number of seasons ago, uh, it was one of those things where it was just you know, didn't think much of it. I think I ordered one copy. I didn't know that this was going to be anything. Um, I hadn't, you know, there was really sort of no buzz. And then there's all this stuff that's growing. And then it's becoming part of this national conversation that's involving, uh, you know, First Amendment and, and all of these things. And so the basically the whatever surrounded that book became exponentially greater than and the contents of the book itself. But so then as a result, we ended up ordering up and massive quantities. We got in on the first printing and then we increased our uh, reorders during the second printing. And obviously all of that has tapered off now and it's just become another book. But that is, that's a case of something where I think not even, obviously the publisher anticipated uh, what that would become. And then we were basically in taking kind of a reactionary stance to it. But Sort of reacting to the larger conversation, not one from our sales reps, but one from you know the news. Was there a book that the store outright refused to sell, or um, have you ever had a customer complaint about selling or stocking a title? So uh, the first question, outright refuse to sell, absolutely not. We would never refuse to sell anything. So no. Second question. So we basically, based on the constituencies that you just mentioned, uh, in addition to just having kind of a vocal and engaged uh, larger Southside community, we receive the occasional bit of feedback regarding our curation. So that could be anything from the framing of uh, displays, uh, how we choose to title or corral books into displays to specific titles. And so we, we can receive this news in myriad ways. So someone will come up and say something at the front desk. Someone will send an email. Someone will do something on social media. So in all cases, we invite conversation, welcome the engagement. The idea behind that is that we kind of want to be like an antidote to or a respite from overtly negative and impulsive comment culture. I don't really know how else to put it. As opposed to trying to like really engage a, a community, real or virtual, in a discussion. And so we're really about engaging the community. We have our annual member meeting. We have many different ways for members and non-members alike to engage with us through comment cards, emails, a general email address, this and that. So yeah, we've received a lot of feedback. Um, in all cases, we respond directly. We hear out what people are saying. And, and in some cases, we'll, we'll respond by, by doing something. And in other cases, we'll just thank them for their, for their comments. And it's just not something that, that jives with 
with our institutional values. Can you talk, Adam, a little bit about the process of hand-selling to customers? Does the store have any particular tactics or any of the booksellers have particular tactics that you can chat a bit about? Sure. So uh, we have a, uh, between the two stores, we have almost two dozen booksellers. Uh, they have a uh, pretty wide variety of reading experience um, and interests. And so uh, recently we came up with this idea of corralling all of these interests into a spreadsheet, and it's called the Staff Pertise document. And it's something that's shared with, uh, with all of the booksellers, and everyone is sort of invited to contribute three categories that they know incredibly well and can speak confidently about, and three categories that they're interested in and can speak with, with some level of comfort. Um, and so this is for all the booksellers at 57th and the co-op, and it's shared with everyone. And the idea behind that is that... Um, Somebody who's upfront helping, if they're receiving a question about, um, you know, 18th century German philosophy, and just don't feel completely comfortable answering that uh, question or providing a recommendation with with any measure of authority, then they know that they can. There are two people on staff, as I'm looking at it right now, who can who can answer that question with confidence and and really provide world class book selling. You know, despite being a, a rather large store, we also work in pretty close quarters. So it literally could just be a question of handing off a customer, a phone call or whatever to someone else who would be able to, to feel that with some authority. We sort of think ultimately that bookstores, broadly speaking, are they should be spaces that invite this robust conversation, idea exchange in a respectful manner. So I guess the final one, um, like I said, would be specifics to seminaries. So if you want to talk a bit about um, some specific titles um, that either over, you know, the decades and decades that the seminary has been open has been successful for you, um, or if you want to be more specific to, you know, this past few years, go ahead and give us your, your title specifics on some really bestsellers. So our front table, which is kind of a storied part of the institution, has uh has been around since the beginning. It houses uh, 108 titles, depending on the trim size. And a lot of those books can, it's all nonfiction, hardcover nonfiction, primarily academic presses. And, um, and then in addition to that, we have almost 600 display spaces throughout the front of the store and, and in the stacks. And so uh, there's ample space to, to display and celebrate these types of titles that we're talking about. Uh, I looked at the last year, um, of sales and tried to pull out, I pulled out course books and we do over 500 events a year. So I tried to pull out event books, which was actually incredibly difficult to do. Um, the list is interesting, not only because it includes one of your books, um, but because um, it kind of reflects or actually closes the circle perfectly on this conversation about the things that are sort of happening now and, and what people want uh, to be reading about to sort of better understand uh, what it is uh, they're living through or living with um, or fighting against or fighting for. So um, five books that pop out, all nonfiction. Uh, the first one is uh, Timothy Snyder's On Tyranny, uh, which is just a, a little pocket-sized book that we had uh, both at the, at the information desk and on an NCAP, and we've just sold dozens of those. The next one is one of yours, which is called The Death of Expertise by Tom Nichols. But the next one, which is uh, James Scott's Against the Grain, which was done by Yale. This is a book just to give you an idea of how the speed with which we operate at times. This book came out a little 
over a year ago in hardcover and it went immediately under the front table and it wasn't doing very well. Um, and then we moved it to another display and then it started doing well. So then we put it back on the front table and the paperback came out last week, but we sold the last hardcover off the front table the day the paperback was released. So this is one of these things where the book really kind of has a long tail and it's going to continue to do very well in paperback and we'll continue to support it. Uh, the next book is Richard Thaler's Misbehaving. As you may know, he uh, won the Nobel for economics and is a professor at the University of Chicago. This is a book that came out in 2015, but um, in light of his uh, award has really taken off once again. And then the last uh, book, which is a uh, Princeton University press title, which is also on the front table and is coming out very soon in paperback, is called Hitler's American model. And this is a book that's done incredibly well um, for us, uh, probably for all the wrong reasons. If you you think about people just want to know maybe what's going on now or, uh, but, you know, looking at examples and seeing kind of the cyclical nature of history um, is, I think, kind of what this, what this list reflects. I mean, it's kind of a cross between long and long and short histories. Those five titles really sum up a lot of what our, uh, our customers are interested in. All right. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the time.